All right, Baldry's beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Morning, Keith. That's pretty funky music for an intro there. Well, we're getting ready for the long weekend. You know, <laughs> we're just getting in the groove. Getting yeah, ready in the groove for yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay, you got some breaking news here, right? Mon- yeah, there's going to be pox. there's going to be a bulletin coming out from the Health Ministry or the Center for Disease Control this morning. Just an update on the monkeypox situation. Not a lot of cases, but they are starting to increase in number. So 61 cases detected as of a few days ago. Um, about 7,200 people have been vaccinated, and we've got about 14,000 vaccines um, that have been delivered to BC. Not hugely concerning, but it's a, a sufficient concern to them to put out a bulletin to tell people this is what the situation is. I noticed yesterday Washington State announced that uh, the number of monkeypox cases is doubling every week in Seattle, in King County. Um, again, not... This isn't to be alarmist or anything. It's just to note just what the situation is. As monkeypox continues to spread in, you know, I wouldn't say with rapid succession around the world, but just it is being noticed more. And it's, again, the, the demographic that it's affecting the most are men who have sex with other men, but it's not 100% confined to that. So it's just an update on the, the latest virus situation, which okay. is going to be with us for a long time. 14,000 vaccines, that's not a lot of vaccine. No, uh, but it's not, the general public is not going to be, it's not like, it's not hitting the population like COVID nineteen does. Yeah. It's it's more of a targeted uh, infection, and it's not uh, the general population. So we're not going to have five million doses delivered here because we're not needed. Washington State estimates they need about forty thousand doses down there. They've got about twenty thousand. They're one and a half times our population, so um, we'll probably get more vaccines uh, distributed or delivered as well. But right now, sixty one cases confirmed. About 7,200 people vaccinated, and there's about 7,000 more vaccines available. Okay, something to keep an eye on for sure. Let's talk a little bit about the, uh, I know you listened to our Hockey Canada mm-hmm. coverage earlier on the show. So Hockey Canada now How does, does Scott Smith survive this? Well, okay, president of Hockey Canada, and it's like every party in in uh, Ottawa now calling for this guy's resignation. Not many people can bring all of these parties together, <laughs> but he has managed to do he, it. He, very, you're right. Very few instances of unanimity yeah. in the House of Commons, and there is on this issue. He's been an executive for 20 years with this organization. He keeps saying he has the support of the board. Yeah. I think the board's going to have to start at, taking some uncomfortable questions here as well. It's seven men and two women, and if they've got support in him, I think they've got to explain themselves as well. And I see in the Globe and Mail today, a number of local hockey associations are speaking out saying uh, they've had it with this. They're the parents of kids in Hockey Canada. They want no part of this management team anymore uh, yeah. to make this type of uh, 21 sexual assault cases, not almost uh, $9 million in settlements, uh, parents unwittingly funding this. Yeah, and when, this, when he showed up at the House of Commons this week to testify in front of that committee, the first thing he started arguing for was to keep his job, is basically mm-hmm. don't, don't fire me. So he knew this was coming. The board is independent, but largely funded by government, though, right? So, I mean, could the government, you know, the government's got some pressure they could put. I mean, if they don't want well, rid of this guy, the, could the, they not? My understanding is the board is elected by the members of Hockey Canada. Yeah. So I'm not exactly sure. The, the relationship between Hockey Canada and the government, to me, seems a bit murky. Not exactly yeah. sure how the two are linked. I'm not sure if the government has, uh, and if anybody out there listening has better knowledge of this, is the government in a position to terminate any employment there? I'm not sure they are. I think it's well, up to the Well, they can board. withhold funding. They can, um, and maybe that's where this is said. You don't want to hurt the kids playing hockey, though. Yeah. This is this is the squeeze that's uh, that's occurring here, but it's an untenable situation. You and I talked yesterday. If this was a cabinet minister yeah. and you had all parties demanding you know, your head, you'd be gone. Yeah. 
So I'm not again. I'm not sure how Scott Smith survives this, okay. or other members of his of the Hockey Canada executive. I think there has to be a general house cleaning. Yeah, I think he's going to be forced out. We'll see what happens here in the days ahead. On yesterday's show, had David E. Be on, mm-hmm. of course, he's the only candidate to be the next leader of the NDP. He, he will be the premier here, probably in. Uh, you, do you think by October there'll be? There'll Why do you no say other... probably? You're, you're 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 hedging your bets. No, I mean probably by October. <laughs> oh, October, yeah. Probably I think by October. if there's no uh, if there's no other candidate, uh, yeah. the, the rules that the NDP have laid out give the power to Elizabeth Call, the chief uh, election officer for this process, to set an earlier date than the December third date, which is the the election date. So I think it could be as early as the first week of October. Yeah, he's just acclaimed. Yeah, acclaimed. And he, again, there's no uh, there's no transition period. There's no return of the writ that occurs when you're elected as an MLA. It's just basically moving from one job to another. It just has to be sworn in. Okay, yesterday I asked him about crime on the streets of Metro Vancouver and beyond, and especially the repeat offenders, the chronic offenders we've heard about, the people who have, like, in some cases, hundreds, hundreds of offenses and just keep getting arrested, released, arrested, released back into the public with no charges. So, you know, he made the point here that this is, uh, in many cases, it's a mental health issue. Mm -hmm. Now, so let's play a clip of this. So this is EB speaking to me yesterday on chronic offenders and crime. You'll hear him make uh, talk about mental health. And then you'll also hear here, Eleanor Sturko is a former RCMP officer running for the B.C. Liberals in an upcoming by-election and her response to EB. So let's have a listen. Provincially, can we use mental health authorities to respond to people who are clearly ill? When you have 260 police files, uh, this is not a criminal justice issue. This is a serious mental health issue. And, uh, and we need to respond accordingly. And that is absolutely in provincial jurisdiction. When we are talking about people that do pose a danger, we have to make sure that we're providing instruction and resources to our Crown prosecutors to make sure that they can make arguments where appropriate to keep people who pose a significant risk in custody. So you guys the Liberals, I guess trying to paint EGB as kind of soft on crime or saying that he's responsible for this catch-and-release justice Oh, that's the sort of theme that emerged in the last legislative session, the catch-and-release uh, phrasing that the Liberals are using, which I think is can be effective. But it's interesting, both uh, Ms. Dirk and Mr. Eby dancing around the issue of institutionalization versus deinstitutionalization. So do you put mental health, people with serious mental health issues in correctional facilities yeah. forever? You know, Especially uh, against their will. Against their uh, will. Eby did touch briefly on that yesterday and said, you know, there may be cases where people are apprehended under the Mental Health Act. So. Which is always controversial, yeah. and it's uh, neither party seems to have staked out a clear position on what exactly do you mean when you need more resources? What does that translate into? Is it more beds? Is it in a, a facility where p- people are confined against their will yeah. or not? And neither party seems to be willing to go there. Yeah. What about Riverview? People always say, why don't you reopen well, Riverview? Well, you know, is this a debate that's going to restart? I mean, yeah. we're seeing some pretty disturbing stories out there. Yeah. We had one of the news of that fellow who knocked over a uh, woman and her small child in yeah. uh, Vancouver. He yeah. was later found, we found footage of him harassing people on a bus and pushing them. Uh, clearly some serious mental health issues, but there's no, it's, so should he just be able to be free to walk around the streets yeah. of Vancouver and assault people? Um, this is an issue. Not, no politician really wants to get too close to this. Okay, I'll get set to call me on that one. Just lastly, let's talk about, Donald Trump and the upcoming Saudi golf, golf league tournament. that's taking place at his golf club in New Jersey. Uh, on yesterday's show, 
Yeah, near, well, near near nine eleven, near Ground Zero. Ground Zero. It's about an hour away from Ground Zero, yeah. in New York City, on nine eleven. So I heard your guess yesterday. Yeah. So yesterday I had the president of nine eleven Justice on. This is the major organization in the United States that represents victims and families on on nine eleven terror. And his dad died at the World Trade Center, and they're furious at Trump. Mm-hmm. They say they say this is this is blood money that Trump and this Saudi golf league are taken, that the United States' own security intelligence files indicate, you know, clear links between Saudi Arabia, the Saudi terrorists and hijackers mm-hmm. on 9-11. Let's listen to what Trump had to say. This is Trump at his golf club in New Jersey. He's asked about this, and here's how he responded. Well, I've known these people for a long time in Saudi Arabia, and they've been friends of mine for a long time. Uh, they've invested in many American companies. They own big percentages of many, many American companies, and uh, frankly, what they're doing for golf is so great, what they're doing for the players is so great, the salaries are going to go way up. Uh, The PGA was not loved by a lot of the players, as you know, for a long time. Now they have an alternative, and nobody would have ever known there was going to be a gold rush like this. Okay, you know, just say, it's all about the money for Trump. Yeah, um, interesting. I mean, this is a red-hot issue in in the world of pro sports. I mean, this transcends just the 9-11 situation. Um, it's tearing the PGA apart. Yeah. Got a number of golfers who are just attracted by greed, it seems to me. And a lot of a lot of the PGA golfers are sort of young Republicans who don't necessarily put a lot of stock into whether or not there's human rights abuses in Saudi Arabia or not. They're there to play to to make money, and they're making a lot of money on this. But the fact that this is taking place at a Trump course near Ground Zero has elevated this issue to a to a different level. And it's going to be fascinating, how the, again, to see how this proceeds in the next few days. I'm not sure. I mean, they've got such deep pockets. This com- this organization does not need a lucrative TV contract. They don't need large crowds. They're not attracting large crowds at tournaments. Uh, it's simply they've got, uh, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars in a fund that will fund this, this, uh, this tour, if you want to call it that, for a number of years. Keith Baldry is my guest. Lots of calls here. Adam and Langley. Hi, Adam. Go ahead. Hey, thanks. Um, I, I don't disagree with you that it's greed leading these golfers to play here. The only issue that I have with the statement was that it's young Republicans and they don't care about human rights. I mean, if you look at our, it's not, it's not politicized that way. If you look at our uh, clothing we wear, our computers that we use, literally our sugar cane and our cola, left and right, everything we do is with slave labor. So it's not about Democrat or Republican. I think that's unfair. No, that's, that's a legitimate point. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, slave. I mean, you look at um, electric vehicle batteries are manufactured uh, using child labor in, in some of these countries. So we're not, and you look at, we get so many goods from China, which has human rights uh, uh, abuses as well. Uh, no, Joe Biden actually just, we were talking off air, Joe Biden, the U.S. president, recently had a visit to Saudi Arabia where he sort of mildly criticized the, the sheik there for, for well, various he, issues. MBS, Mohammed bin Salman, he did the fist bump with him. Yeah. The fist bump heard around the world. Yep. And this is after Biden had said just a couple of years ago in an election campaign that he wanted to make Saudi Arabia a pariah on the world stage. But now they need gas. They need oil. <laughs> so that's why he's got to go over there and sort of, you know. Oh, yeah. Nicer. No, it's a, it's a, human rights abuses in countries is never, it's hard to separate it from a lot of economics in, yeah. in terms of trade. People, uh, countries look the other way when it's in their economic interest, and that's what's happening. Sure. Lawrence in North Vancouver. Hi, Lawrence. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, I just heard Trump 
talking about how how these rich Saudis are, are investing so much money into the states, and it it it, it seems that's all. Well, this is all this is about, you know, like, um, doesn't Donald Trump remember what people went through in New York at Ground Zero? You know, like, I heard some guy being interviewed on your show just a couple of days ago who lost his father in 9-11, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, like isn't, isn't there something a little more important than just money? Is that all Donald Trump thinks about? Well, that's, Apparently. that's the point the 9-11 uh, uh, folks are making, that uh, is is this blood money that he's uh, is attracting? Well, here. Trump also said this week he's asked about. It, he goes, "Well, there's not, a, there's still a lot of unanswered questions about." Sound like he sounded like a truther, yeah. You know, an inside job. I mean, the, you know, U.S.'s own intelligence report has clearly traced the links to Saudi Arabia uh, the conspir- with the 9/11 terrorists. It's the consp- the QAnon is conspiracy theorists. That's all part of yeah. the, the conspiracy that yeah. people, some people believe in. Well, it's big. It is big money. I mean, when Trump is talking money, you're talking big money. From, oh, Saudi, yeah. from Saudi Arabia. Well, on the live tour uh, yeah. is a big money tour. I mean, these players yeah. are guaranteed millions of dollars. Uh, it's amazing, and there's no there's no incentive. Tiger Woods has been very critical of this for a number of reasons, not the least of which he says there's no incentive to get better on this tour. There's no cut you have to make. There's no incentive to practice. It's just basically show up and get paid a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, let's go to Glenn and Maple Ridge. Hi, Glenn. Go ahead. Hey guys. Hi, Mike, and uh, yeah, uh, and Keith. Yeah. Uh, the quotes from Donald Trump, it just, if you are a true hard Trump believer, you should start to question his, his ability, not only to be a president, but maybe as an American period, because on one hand, he says uh, his Saudis, they've been buddies and pals for a long time. He's known yeah. them and he's more than willing to take their money. Uh, and, and, and these, these Saudis are buying up American corporations and, and whatnot, yet he frowns upon other countries that do the same thing. It, it uh, just shows his uh, character. And this should glare to the people that, it should question the people that are still the, the millions of Trump fans uh, out there that well, are out there. It, thanks yeah. for the call. Thanks for the call. Uh, should, but not sure it will. <laughs> like, do you think Trump, like, I don't think Trump is going to be the Republican nominee for president. Like, I just don't, I, I just think that ship has sailed for him. I, yeah. I think he wants to run for president. I, I think again. he wants to run. His ego dictates that he wants to run, but I agree with you. I think, I I think, think it's going to be Ron DeSantis will probably run for the Republicans for president. Yeah, I, I think there's enough people in the Republican Party who agree with people like Liz Cheney, Cheney even though they're in the minority, no question. Uh, that will prevent him from getting the nominee. Yeah. Nomination. James in Kelowna. Hi, James. Definitely, this is politicized. I, I would like to ask the question, what's the difference between Trump taking cash from Saudi Arabia and Biden taking oil from Saudi Arabia? They're both doing the exact same thing. And it's just interesting. I think if Trump wasn't tied to this, we would even be having this discussion. Biden seems to be able to skate away from this because he goes and kills uh, Keystone and, oh, now we need yeah. oil, let's go to Saudi Arabia. But nobody really seems to be having the same reaction. I, I, well, again, I, I, I think if Trump no, wasn't but, in the picture... Uh, Biden, no, for, Biden's got a lot of heat for that his, fist bump with Biden, MBS. Biden's disapproval rating is very uh, is very high. I mean, he's got a significant problem with the voters. I mean, there's a open question whether he's going to get the nomination, a renomination. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. 
Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.